Today on episode 427 of I Am Salt Lake podcast is our conversation with our friend Tiffany Barnes. Tiffany is a speaker, she is an Airbnb master, she's an author, she's a podcaster, and she is an anti-abuse advocate. I know that I personally enjoyed this conversation with Tiffany. I'm really excited to be playing it here in just a moment. Keep in mind, though, that this conversation uh, was recorded literally like a few days before this whole coronavirus outbreak happened. So keep that in mind as you're listening to this episode. Hey, so this is usually the part of the podcast that my wife and I, we introduce ourselves. Uh, I would usually say, hello, I'm Chris Hollifield. And then Chrissy would usually say, hello, I'm Chrissy Hollifield. Well, this past Friday... Chrissy was dealing with some really insane sharp pains. I remember her uh, coming into the bedroom and just not being able to deal with it. Uh, She didn't even know, I mean, do I have to fart? (laughs) You know, what is going on here? What is going on? This is just way too sharp of pains. After going back and forth, I was like, well, do you really want to spend time in the hospital right now? Uh, Is that really the place you want to be? And then we talked to her mom and her mom gave us some advice. And eventually we just kind of We broke down and we said, hey, it's probably better if we take her in, get her looked at. That way we're not worried because this is kind of weird. Anyway, to make a long story short, Chrissy did end up having surgery Friday night. We had to have her appendix removed. I believe they call it appendicitis. Pretty wild, especially considering everything else going on. Uh, She's home, though. She's in a lot of pain. So she just said uh, she's in too much pain to record this intro with me. So I'm just trying to play nurse. I'm trying to get this podcast out, trying to take care of Lucy, the other kids. A lot of fun here in the Hollifield compound. Hey, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you may be asking yourself what it's all about. Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We talk to business owners, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, food truck owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. Hey, we got some great sponsors for this episode, Salt Lake Dreads and Market Source Real Estate. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them a little bit later on in the episode. For now, let's get into that conversation with Tiffany Barnes when she came over to our podcast studio and she shared her story. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. We typically start where people were born, where people grew up. Uh, did you grow up here in Utah, Tiffany, or, or where did you yeah. grow up? I grew up in Layton. Layton. You can tell I'm from there because I said Layton. Yeah, I was going to say Layton. <laughs> Not Layton. Drop the T. Yeah, Layton. So I grew up there till my parents divorced when I was seven, and I ended up moving into, you know where the Ritz Classic Bowling Alley is downtown? I, I know exactly. I used to do karaoke there. Did you back really? Back in the day. Nice. Back in the day. I used to school some boys in the arcade when I moved over there, but I lived right behind the bowling alley. That's okay. where we moved, into this little apartment called Woodwind Apartments, and uh, with my mom and her boyfriend at the time. And then we migrated out to Kearns, and I ended up going to Kearns High and went to the University of Utah. So that's how I ended up on the East Bench over in Sugar House, and I've stayed ever since. You're on the good side over there. You well, you, you got in before the, the houses probably got crazy over uh, there. Well, though. we call ourselves the Sugar Hood Gang because yeah. we're lower Sugar okay. House. So we're okay. like 21st South, 7th East by the Extreme D's. So it's still a little sketchy in some areas, but yeah, I got in. <laughs> I got in at the right time for sure. <laughs> 
Oh man, do you come from a big family or is it only don't. child? Or so I was. Well, I say I was the only child till my brother came along. Well, duh. I say that because I only have one biological brother. I was six years old when he was born. And he was born on my birthday. No kidding. No I was so way. pissed off. Oh, man. I <laughs> like, this is my birthday. You're taking it from you me. You ruined my day. <laughs> yes. I was so mad. And then I have a half brother and a half sister. But I don't consider them half. Yeah. But um, that's the way the story goes. Well, that's, I, I have an older brother, younger sister, half sister, half brother. But we grew up together. So to me, they're yeah, just, full brother, yeah, sister. Yeah, exactly. And uh, now, what did you want to be growing up? Because you're... You know, you're a bit of an entrepreneur. Sure. And it's like, have you always been that way? Or when did that come into play for you? You know, I always wanted to be a lawyer for some reason. Really? And I would study law books. Like, I would for get the, fun? For fun, yes. Oh, wow. But I was super nerdy, you know, graduated top of my class and was so always like, I just was a bookworm and yeah. just really studious. And then once I got to college and realized what it would take, I, st- I started doing political science. And I'm like, this is too uppity for me. This is not my personality. Yeah. So I decided to go into communications. And I went on a full-ride scholarship to the University of Utah and ended up, long story short, finding a mentor to show me how to do real estate and started making some bucks there, you know, like 3000 4000 10000 here and there. And... Because I was on the scholarship, it was full ride academic. So you have to get a certain grade point average. I was too worried about making the money in real estate that I wasn't keeping up the grades and basically had to have a come to Jesus with myself after the the dean sat me down and was like, you're on probation to lose your scholarship. And I just said, I'm going to go do real estate. Oh, wow. My $40,000 education that I worked so hard to get. So like selling houses, just residential houses or what? like real estate investing. So I started out doing like note brokering and wholesaling and then got into flipping. Oh, wow. And now I have a rental portfolio and now I do Airbnbs. That's my bread and butter. Well, I want to get into the Airbnbs here. Uh, Well, shoot, let's get into it right now, actually, because I find, uh, I mean, we've stayed in quite a few Airbnbs throughout the years. I mean, it's a great way to travel. It's a great way to, you know, instead of staying in a hotel, usually a little bit more personality. But what is it exactly that you do for people like help them kind of spruce up their Airbnb or or what is it that you're doing? So what I do is I take somebody, it depends on what level they're at, but I'm really geared more towards landlords. So showing them how to stop having the headache of worrying if the person's going to pay the rent, is the place going to be trashed, so on and so forth. Okay. And saying, how about I show you how you can still get a passive residual income and a mixed rate of return with the appreciation, but let's do it risk-free through Airbnb. And the reason I say risk-free is because there's very minimal risk. You're still getting the benefits. Mm-hmm. But as a matter of fact, oftentimes you're getting double the income. So that's kind of my niche market there. But I also show just anybody like yourselves, you know, if, let's say you guys are dabbling in, hey, I want to just rent out a room in my house. I can show you how you can capitalize and make the most money with that room and the way you should decorate it and the way you should list it and, you know, things to really catch people's eye. Airbnb is huge here. We did $13 million in Airbnb revenue just last year alone. How did this whole thing come about? I've never, I mean, I'm sure there's quite a few people like yourself or how did that come about for you? You know, I've never met anybody that's doing what I'm doing right now. 
I'm sure they're they're out there, but I've never met anybody, especially here in Salt Lake City. So what it came to is I have some successful Airbnbs, and the way that happened is because I was the landlord that was chasing the payments and had to evict tenants and had to take them to court for damages and sue people and garnish wages. And it's just not a fun feeling. Yeah. It's such a hassle. It is. Like I never want to be a landlord again right? because I did it once, you know? It sucks. Yeah. So (sighs) I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, you're good. It totally weighs on you, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not my personality. I hate being that person. And so I was just sitting out on my porch one night and there's an Airbnb on my street and it was like midnight. You know, I have a little drink in hand and I'm sitting here feeling a little sorry for myself. Like, okay, now I've got to put $7,000 into this house and then go back through trying to find the right tenant. Cause this tenant, it's not like I just throw any Joe Schmo in there. You know, I did the background checks and the credit checks and all that stuff. People can look good on paper. I'll just say that. Yeah. And so I decided, well, I can take the seven grand and get back to where I was. Or I can maybe put 20 grand into it and furnish it and try this Airbnb thing. Because I saw, again, kind of going back, sitting on my porch as I saw somebody pulling up to that Airbnb and checking in. And it just kind of was that, I call it my Tiffany epiphany that I have. (laughs) And it just was like, why don't I try it? Yeah. So I got most of the furniture. You guys would die like KSL or... Facebook Marketplace, or, you know, I have some little stores that I work with out here off of Highway 201, where, you know, I buy two bed frames and I'll throw one in free. And so I just kind of, nobody showed me how to do it. I just researched it till the cows came home and said, what do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, I have a furnished place and I have to sell the furniture and go back to renting. To yeah. just regular long-term rental. And, and how long have you been doing this for? Two years. And it's been better than renting? So good. So here's my question. As much as I love Airbnb, I know it gets a lot of crap talk. It sure. gets a lot of crap talk because of what it's doing to the rentals out there. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem that, that I'm running into listening to you is what you're doing. It makes sense to me. So it's like, why is that a bad thing? You know, is it? Yeah. Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Or is it just all based on the person? I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking? I'm sure. sure Like what's the effect on the local real estate economy? Yeah. Like I, because if you're just Airbnb and then locals like myself, if I needed to look for a rental, they wouldn't be available. I haven't ran into anybody saying anything like that. As a matter of fact, so the biggest thing with Airbnbs I tell people is your cleaners. That's going to help you stay afloat. You have to have very flexible cleaners and your neighbors. Your neighbors will make or break you. Oh, yeah. Because if your neighbor turns you in for being a nuisance to the city and then now you're getting fines and you have to get permits and things like that, that becomes a whole nother ball game. So what that actually I, happened to Eric, my brother. Yeah, he had oh, an Airbnb, really? and uh, the neighbors turned him in, and and somehow he can't use it as an Airbnb anymore because it was down in Lehigh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was down in Lehigh. There are certain municipalities that do not allow it, like St. George is one, especially um, areas that have HOAs. A lot uh-huh. of HOAs going on, they frown upon that. I don't know specifically Lehigh; that's not my target market, but um, that has happened. There are cities where it is illegal. If you get caught, that's the thing. There's been news interviews. There's been newspaper articles that say we cannot stay on top of these Airbnb owners. 
because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. So the way that you get caught is if your neighbors are turning you in, then you have this giant freaking target on you, right? Yeah. And you can go and get a permit for short-term vacation rental. I don't know what the fees would be per city, but that is something you can do. Um, I don't know specifically Lehigh, but neighbors will make or break you. So I, I made sure... Like I have this cute little neighbor across the street named Betty that sits on her couch <laughs> with her ginormous bay window and stares at my house <laughs> all everyone. the time. So I made sure that Betty is very happy. At it's a all good times. security system. It is. Yeah. One time I put in a bug zapper in the back of the house, and the way my house faces is she can see the front and the side and some of the back for from her window. And I gave her my number, and she called me at like eleven something at night. Oh my gosh, I think people are in your house with flashlights. I see some lights flashing, blah, blah, blah. And so I go over there in a panic. I'm 10 minutes away, you know, Sugar House to Rose Park. That's where this house is, North Rose Park. And I say that because people are like, Rose Park, oh my gosh. Hey, that's but, the new area, man. <laughs> it's the that's, new Sugar House. Yeah. I love Rose Park. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I lo- I'm just off of like 12th North, so the furthest north on Rose Park. But anyhow, so I go over there thinking, oh my gosh, this is crazy. and I just start cracking up because it was the bug zapper that was going off. I just oh put it in gosh. and she's oh over there gosh. and I go over to her and I'm like, Betty, I just put in a bug zapper. She's like, oh my gosh, Phew, I thought somebody was in there with flashlight. Oh, oh what a sweetheart. So, but see, she's my so eyes cute. and ears. Yeah, yeah. So, oh man. Yeah. Gotta find neighbors like that. You do. So so how, how many Airbnbs do you currently have? That, Two. If you don't mind me asking, but you probably want to get more, right? Yeah. So I have five rental properties. I'm waiting for the leases to end so I can then turn them over into <laughs> Airbnbs. What, um, I don't know. I mean, you obviously don't want to give away all your secrets, but let's say I'm just trying to pop something in my head right now. Like, like say I wanted to get into this Airbnb thing. Like, how would I know it's a good possible, like say I was going to buy a place to turn it into an Airbnb. Is there something I should look for? Or I guess good sure. neighbors maybe, or. Which that's kind of, that seems like it would be tricky. Yeah. You, you don't Wait, really if you're know looking if to you, buy a place, if like, you've how never do you kind of there? assess the neighborhood and what the neighbors are like? Is there, is that something right. that you kind of teach? It is something that I teach. Got to realize too, I kind of fell into this. I just decided to do it. So when I bought my property, I bought it as a long-term rental. Yeah. And swapped it over to a short term. But what I tell people is if they're looking to buy a property specifically as a short term vacation rental, whether it be VRBO or Airbnb or Flipkey, there's so many different vacation rental platforms out there. One thing that I love about Airbnb is you can go in and literally put where you are, how many bedrooms, and it will tell you what your potential uh, monthly revenue would be. So at least you have something to gauge it off of. And then I give people another website to go to called rentometer.com. Okay. And rentometer is where you can literally plug in any city USA, any address, literally the address, bedrooms, bathrooms, and how much you think you can charge. And it will give you a, a meter or, you know, a reading on a meter that will say, okay, too much, too little in between. And so I'll say, okay, here's what the long-term rent is that you could get based on rentometer. And a lot of realtors use that tool. So it's not just something I use as an investor, as an investor, realtors use it as well. And then I'll say, okay, here's what this number is. Now let's see what Airbnb is saying you could get. Now, another thing about short-term rentals though, specifically Airbnb is you can't have an Airbnb within so many miles or feet of each other. Like you personally or Airbnb, one other person who owns one. 
near you? Anybody that owns one near me. Okay. So there's certain rules. So if you were my neighbor and you wanted to, maybe you're seeing, oh, wow, this is lucrative for her. And you live three houses down. You want to turn yours into an Airbnb. Airbnb won't allow it because it always already shows that there's one right here hmm. in this area. There's like a certain there's certain parameters. It's kind of like you can't open an ice cream shop two doors down. Yes, there's already one here. Yes, that okay. would suck if you bought a home and you didn't check. That's why you got to do your due yeah. diligence. Yeah. yeah, your due diligence is key. <laughs> so a lot of the people I'm working with, they're not necessarily looking to purchase a property to get into Airbnb. It's a matter of they already have a property and they're sick of headaches or they've got a room like a room like this that maybe it was collecting junk. And they're like, why don't I throw a couple twin beds in here? And I don't care if they share the kitchen and I'm making 30 bucks a night on a room that was collecting junk. So it's, it's usually either something like that or somebody who has a spare room, or somebody that um, is like, already a landlord. Like you help people take what they already have and figure out how to... Capitalize on it. Yeah, capitalize or help them. What's the word? When you... There's a word for it. I, I have no <laughs> it, right. doesn't it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Maybe if, if you know what it is, email us, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Supplement. Supplement your income. We should, yes, we should, there you go. We should Airbnb one of the, maybe this room out once we build the studio out in the totally. garage. Totally. Yeah, right? man. We can Why not? Because can't you even like select the type of person almost that you want? Or, I mean, I guess you, you can't really You can't s- select necessarily like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to discriminate against this type of person, <laughs> yeah, right? I, I don't know. But. I guess that, that did sound bad, I guess. But. but they do have to provide like a government ID. They have to have a verified okay. email and yeah, certain yeah. parameters before they can even rent a room or a house or a space. So that protects you in a way. But I do understand somebody's concern if they're like, well, this is just a room. What if I'm out on a date? You know, you two are out on a date night and somebody's mm-hmm. checking in that night and you're giving them the key to your front door or the code to your front door uh-huh. and they're checking in at whatever time and sharing the kitchen and bathroom space. And that's something you got to take into consideration for sure. It could get weird too. They're it, like, it could they're, get uncomfortable. They're, they're pawing through our stuff. Yeah. We shared a room. We had an Airbnb when we went out to Chicago. And uh, I think it was the only time we ever did the room inside somebody's place. And that was weird. It was, was it? Yeah. it was weird. Well, Feel uncomfortable. You know, it's hard when you enter. I mean, and he was great, but it's just hard to be in someone's space and be like, I'm really hungry, but I'm, I don't want to open the fridge, you know, like sure. I don't want to. It, and maybe it's, it's like just a, the type of person maybe. that, we, you know, we are too. Some people yeah, are sure. a little more like, oh, I don't care. I'm paying for this. And it's like, oh, this is his place, you know. So. Well, they do have something now too called Airbnb experiences. So what it is, is as a host, I could host you in my house and then I'm going to show you the town and you pay a little extra for that. Or I show you some of the best restaurants in Salt Lake or that's something new they've just developed that I'm looking to get into because I love hosting. I love the hospitality side of things. I should do that kind of stuff here. Yeah, Yeah. Come and hang out. We'll give you the Salt Lake City Yeah, I am Salt Lake. Of course. You totally should. Yeah. That's actually a really cool idea. Yeah, it's called Airbnb Experiences. If you go to their website, you can check it out. All right, it's that time of the podcast where we're going to take just a few minutes and tell you about one of our awesome sponsors. Hey, are you looking at finally getting out of the rent game and finally buying a house of your own? Are you maybe thinking of moving to Salt Lake City? Hey, you need to contact our good friend Monique at Market Source Real Estate. She actually helped us find the home that we're recording this podcast in right now, and I love it. 
So did you know that for almost 20 years, Market Source Real Estate has been specializing in helping people just like you and I sell homes in Sugar House as well as the greater Salt Lake City area. They have a background of flipping houses and they've owned almost 20 homes themselves. So they know all the ins and outs of older homes if older homes are your thing. So if you're looking to sell your home, Market Source Real Estate, they're going to specialize in helping sellers update or repair your home, which is going to increase the value and make you more money. All right. So if you're looking to move to Salt Lake, if you're looking to move across town, uh, contact Monique at Market Source Real Estate. She's awesome. You can find her info right there on the website, thinksaltlakecity.com. There's also a lot of really cool articles there, thinksaltlakecity.com, or just give her a call, 801-810-6773. And many thanks to Market Source Real Estate for sponsoring this episode. Now, so what is um, this real estate investing? It's the Level Up Academy, or is that that's something different than... No, so Level Up Wealth Academy is my real estate company, okay. but I show people how to invest in various avenues. So okay. I first, for the last 10 years, I was actually working with a guy that had a show on A&E called Flip This House. Okay. And Wait, you were on the show? No, I was showing people how to do what he oh, does oh, on the show okay. out in various cities. Okay. So I was gone 40 weeks a year, living out of a suitcase, making great money, but inside I felt so empty. I can truly tell you money does not buy you happiness. It allows you to be in some really awesome places like Hawaii and Bali and stuff like that and with a lot of money in your bank account, but it doesn't fulfill you. And so I really, what happened is about two years ago when I got into this Airbnb thing, I said, you know, I'm going to just go on and do my own thing. And I went to Europe for a little while and did some soul searching and came back and said, you know, I know how to flip like the back of my hand and I've showed people how to flip and I've been private a private money lender on people's flips before. But Utah's not a flipping market because our prices of our houses are so high. It's so competitive and there's so many quote unquote investors out there that are saturating the market. I thought, you know, I don't want to go into that anymore. So let me show people how to do long-term rentals. And long-term rentals are great, but then if you of- have a reliable Yes. Person renting. You have to have a reliable. So my yeah. favorite tenants, I hope this doesn't piss your readers off or listeners off, are gay nurses in the military because they're clean. I, yeah. That's very and- <laughs> specific. <laughs> yes. Gay nurses in the military, they will always take care of your shit. Really? Yes. I have one in one of my houses right now. Well, two of them in my house right now. <laughs> That's kind of, it seems like a limited that demographic. That is our listeners. Yes. Gay, gay nurse in the military, call me, please. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I want them to rent here. I'll just be like, hey, I got this weird knot. Can you check it out? I got a weird bump over here. That would seem like, I mean, oh man, that just seems like such complicated stuff, all that investing and, and it is. Yeah, I mean, it and, is. And there is a lot of risk in it. There's yeah. a ton of risk. So that's why I'm really loving the sexiness of Airbnb and short-term rentals. Now, yes, I'm the hotel's competition. Yes, the hotels hate me because I'm providing a hands-on personal touch, you know? Mm -hmm. So for an example, that house I was just telling you in Rose Park, four-bedroom, two-bath house, just single story, so nobody has to worry about stairs or anything like that for like older people or or things um, that may come into play, but 99 bucks a night. Is what you get from it. Four bedroom, two bath house. That's not bad. You get your a yard, a fenced in yard, privacy, 
a whole house. So you, it sleeps 10 people for 99 bucks a night. That's insane. So that's, you, a hotel can't compete with me on that. Mm-mm. And if you have little kids or, you know, especially if you're a family traveling, it's so much nicer to have that space yeah. than be stuck in a hotel room. Or in exactly. the kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, a little dishwasher, yeah. maybe a little Makes table. big difference. I have a foosball table, dartboard, oh, you're cornhole. Set. We yeah. stayed at, uh, we went down to uh, California back in December and we had this pirate themed Airbnb. Oh, Have fun. you ever seen those like yeah. themed out like ones? Yeah, like Star it was, Wars it was, theme and oh, stuff. It was so it cool. It was really yeah. cool. The guy, yeah. the guy whose house it was actually designed, he was like a set designer. So his Whoa. entire house was like themed. It was just so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah that'd Very be, cool. That'd be fun to do someday. So was that your favorite Airbnb experience? Was that place? Well, besides the dog at the end, there was a dog we were trying to get past. It was a bit scary because like all of a sudden we had to get to our flight at like like four four in the morning. Four in the morning, right? We're trying to, because we had to walk through this guy's backyard, right? Because it was in this like mother-in-law type place. All of a sudden I see this pit bull, right? And it's like, I I, I like the dog. I mean, but you have to admit, you don't know. I mean, they could be a scary dog. I mean, well, all dogs could be, right? And he's at the bottom of the stairs growling at us. Growling. Okay. And so we're just Somehow like, we have to get uh, behind that pit bull. To I got to get to LAX by 6 a.m. or something. Like that. that was oh, the only, that was the only tough yeah, thing about Yeah, but no, it. but it was a great experience. It was yeah. a great experience. Uh, definitely have to get uh, like our own place, you know, sure. whether it's, it's like a mother-in-law type apartment or just a completely separate situation. I don't know if it's just my own comfortability or... If a lot of people are that way, I really would be interested to know how people feel about rooms versus houses yeah. as a, yeah. as a short term renter. So I have a friend that lives up in Suncrest, and she's turning two of her bedrooms right now into Airbnbs because in she's Suncrest? right, yeah, because she's right by Lehigh. Think about it. Okay, over the Alpine. Yeah, like okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sense. that's a really cool location, and she's yeah. got deer in her backyard all the time, and you know, it's just up on the top of a mountain and. It so is she's going to try it. I mean, she has this six bedroom house and she's by herself. And I'm like, girl, you should be renting out rooms. Like she has her family come and stay all the time for free. I'm like, are they paying you? Let's get you some money. So she's trying it. All right. It's that time of the podcast where we take just a few minutes tell you about one of our awesome sponsors. Hey, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make Utah cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable, and professional experience filled with love and understanding. They offer a clean dreadlock knotting service. It's really cool. I saw what they did to Chrissy's hair. I was impressed. You know, years ago, not a lot of people know this. I tried to do dreadlocks and they were a mess. If Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop was around for me 20 years ago when I tried to do dreadlocks, oh my gosh, I would have gone in in a heartbeat. Uh, they offer clean dreads. They're a crochet method, natural, no wax or gross neglect dreads, dreadlocks. So if you've wanted dreadlocks, but you didn't know where to start, and you've searched endlessly on the internet to try to find some way of doing some natural, clean dreadlocks. Well, now there's a solution, the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. I'm going to give you their information. So pull out some paper, write this down. Uh, if you want to get a free consultation, you're going to text them a picture of your hair, 801-824-8298. Uh, you're going to want to include what you're looking for. You're going to want to include your name and then just wait for a response. Wait patiently. Uh, one thing to keep in mind. Uh, with everything going on with the coronavirus, I would imagine they are closed right now. So maybe you might not get a reply right away. 
Their web address is www.slcdreads.com, and they are located right at 1528 South State Street. Again, their number, 801-824-8298. And many thanks to Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's get back into that conversation with Tiffany Barnes. Thank you so much for listening. I want to talk about share. Yes. Because uh, this is pretty cool. I actually heard, so I listened to, uh, when when you first set up this podcast, uh, you were on the Biz for Good show. Yes. Bobby and, so and fun. Uh, over there. Oh gosh, a lot of fun. I mean, it's a pretty cool story with share, kind of how it started and everything. I'll let you kind of share, share how share started, okay. I guess. Yeah. So I started it as a support group in high school. I was emancipated from my parents at 15 years old. I was the second case in the state of Utah at the time. And I checked myself in and out of school, paid rent, you know, the whole nine yards and still kind of held myself accountable and made good grades and things like that. But what happened was I was walking into one of what happened was uh, I was walking into my Spanish class and writing my own tardy note, you know, please excuse Tiffany Barnes for being late. Thank you, Tiffany Barnes. And they had to accept it because I was my own legal guardian. And there was a kid on the front row that chimed in who bullied me from time to time. And he was like, that's not fair. The rest of us don't get to check ourselves in and out or write our own notes or whatever. And kids would come up to me and say, why do you write your own notes? Where are your parents? And I would tell them, oh, I was emancipated. And some people wouldn't know what that was and would ask why, you know, they were inquisitive. And I was always kind of known as the girl with the special circumstance in high school. And I would tell them, you know, I was abused at home. And so I went through all forms of abuse, uh, ended up putting my stepfather in prison for what he did to my sister and I. And, um, you know, kids would just come to me and say they would just sense my vulnerability maybe. And I would tell them, you know, it's okay to say something. And I would be the first person they would tell. They would say, you know, my dad's doing this or my mom or my neighbor or whatever. And it's when my Tiffany epiphany happened and I realized, um, you know, I need to do something. And so I started a support group for kids that were going through abuse like me. Um, And at Kearns High, where I went to school, there's a ton of bad influences that you could take up. You know, and sometimes people look for... um, It's easy to run away from your problems and find some way to soothe it that's not healthy for right. you, especially as a teenager. Right. You know, yeah. gangs, drugs, so many different things. And mm-hmm. so all we did is we got together. If we had classes together, we did homework together. If we were going through something, you know, emotional or mental, then we would talk about it and just cry with each other, whatever the case may be. And we said, okay, we got to come up with a name for our little club here. And we called it Share. And at the time, it stood for students helping the abused react and empower. So we were just showing other kids how to react in a positive way, not turn to the drugs and suicide and things like that, and empower each other to do the same. So kind of reverse the cycle one person at a time. guidance from any adults during this process, or was it all everything you kind of came up with and you figured out how to help everyone? I don't necessarily think I had guidance on the share part of it. I did have a social worker that helped me get through the emancipation process. You know, I get asked a lot, like, how, why, like, how did you turn out the way you did? I have honestly no idea. I really feel like, and I don't need to go woo-woo here, but I just feel like it's the battle I chose when I came. 
You know, like I'm willing to go through this when I came here. Wow. So how so. did you even know what emancipated was if nobody else, I mean, you were the second person and you were saying right. nobody else knew what it was. How did you even know? What so it was? there's a piece of the story that I left out. I was suicidal. Okay. I was anorexic. Basically, my mom had a yard sale, sold all my stuff, kicked me out of the house when I confronted my stepdad and went and lived with my biological father back up in Layton and became a latchkey kid. So home alone all the time and reached out to somebody because I was literally ready to just be done with my life. And that's when the the social worker stepped in. So it wasn't always rainbows and roses. You know, I did have those dark, deep holes that I was in. And the social worker said, okay, well, now that we've gotten you better, this took me two years of a lot of counseling and therapy and things like that uh, to get myself better in my heart and in my head. And he said, well, now foster care, we got to get you into a foster care program. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I did not want to be a foster kid. And Mm -hmm. so I said, there's got to be some other option. You know, I didn't have family I could go with, live with or things like that. And so then he said, well, you can try an emancipation. And that's when the whole idea came about. He's like, the odds are stacked against you. You know, all these other kids have tried to go for it and it's never happened. So I'm like thinking to myself, what's the worst that can happen? I get a no. Well, it's tough when you're 15. It's hard to even get hired somewhere. Sure. I mean, people are like, mm, meh, you're still a kid. You right. can't really do anything on your own. So that's like a really tough age to try to break out on your own like that right. too. So I ended up living with a family for a little while, the Schwabs. I, I'm actually writing a book and they are a huge reason why I am where I am today. And they had a yard art business where, you know, like they do those little wooden things in the yard painted and all that. And so I helped them do that and made a little bit of money and my first job, I worked at Kmart in the shoe department. Yeah. Right on. When you were 15? 16. 16. I was Alice Bundy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Selling, hustling shoes. Yes. Man, so. gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine uh, 15-year-olds today doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. It is crazy, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it's kind of helped you and, and, and taught you and kind of helped you become who you are today. Well, tell me about this book you're doing. It's called The Throwaway Girl. Okay. And it's about, so the term for kids that go into foster care is throwaway kids. That's an actual term that's used. I was going to call it The Throwaway Kid, but I chose to go with The Throwaway Girl, and it came to me through my dentist. So I ran the torch in the Olympics in 2002 because of this support group that is now a national 501c3 nonprofit, by the way. Okay. I'd always have a problem being able to pay for, you know, my cavities or getting my teeth cleaned. And so he was really cool with me working out payment plans and things like that. He knew my story, knew my circumstance. And I went in to get my teeth cleaned. And he goes, Tiffany, I had a dream the other night. He says, I had a dream that you're going to write a book and it's called The Throwaway Girl. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah. And you've never written a book before. So no, never written a book before. Okay. But here's the other crazy part to this. So I started giving talks to local high schools and administration talking about recognizing the signs of abuse and also how to overcome it with actually kids that are going through it. Well, Dan Clark, I don't know if you know who he is. The name's, yeah, probably He do. wrote in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, oh Dan we, Clark. We watched him talk. We yeah, were, yeah, we, he's an amazing Last year speaker. at Sundance. He is. Yes. He's really good. Yeah. So he was in the audience with his wife. I had no clue who he was. And he came up to me at the end of one of my presentations and said, we want to take you to lunch, my wife and I. It's like, cool. You know, it was a 
teenager. Sure, I'll take that. So I go sit down and he pushes this stack of books to me. And I'm like, what are these? And he's like, oh, these are all the books I've written. And one of his books were made into a movie, Puppies for Sale with Jack Lemmon. Okay. And he said, you need to write a book about your life. How old were you when this happened? I was almost 19. Wow. And so so it was like two people now had said this, right? And so he said, if you write a book, I'll help you publish it. And I've been writing it ever since. So, so, like, how long have you been writing it? Since I was almost 19. Oh, 19, 19. Hello. So, okay. I'm, t- uh, I'm going to be 38 okay. in July. So, 20 years well, almost. I wasn't, I wasn't, so a lot of time thinking has gone into it. Well, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to ask a yeah. woman her age. Well, so, now you all know. <laughs> why, why is it taking so long? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be no, rude No, I appreciate you asking. Why, what's taking so long? We so, want to read it. I have this thing called CDO. Which CDO. is OCD, but the letters have to be in order because I'm that OCD. Okay. I don't have to flip light switches and things, but I'm a perfectionist. And I think a lot of that comes from well, you gotta get my childhood. You got to get rid of that. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah. It's so hard. That's that. I mean, that's a really tough thing because you do the, the anxiety that it actually gives you to not sure. have something perfect is completely overwhelming. And I hired a ghostwriter. He wrote, have you guys ever seen the movie Requiem for a Dream? I've heard of it. Uh, I have not watched I it. Probably Lucas Suisman. Yeah, I probably years ago it was back. It's like kind of an indie type. Film. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I hired him. He goes because I was like, I'm not going to get this done on my own. So I would just have conversations with him. He was back in L.A. and we he just put it in book form, and then we would take what I already wrote and kind of marry the two. Okay. And then he got a better offer and had to kind of go a different direction than helping me out. And so I just lost momentum. It's done. The book is done. I just went to a writer's retreat in Palm Springs in November and kind of did a whole thing with the group and had some criticism from them on things I can change. But for me, I think there's two things. One, I'm a perfectionist. And two, this is going to just sound so crazy, is... I'm so worried about my dad. Worried about it, him like if why? you release it, how it'll affect yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. How it'll affect that. him. So yeah. my dad was very abusive to me as a child. Mm. He's no longer abusive, but I definitely have daddy issues. I'm not on the stripper pole or anything, but I um I'm always living my life trying to make him proud of me, and he's never told me once he's proud of me. And so I'm worried that it will really hurt our relationship to put it out in the world what he did to me when I was little. I don't know why I worry so much about that. Have you ever thought about just confronting him, just telling him, hey, I wrote this? He knows I'm writing a book Okay, because I've been on the news for it and things like that, and he's seen articles. I think it's just something we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a relationship that if I didn't put forth effort, it wouldn't be a relationship either. So it's really tough because, and and I think a lot of people struggle with this is that you feel like if you tell your story, that somehow you are negatively impacting other people, even though that is what happened. Sure. That's, a, that's like a really difficult situation to work through. It is because my dad is not that same man today. Right. But he's a recluse. He's never been on a date since my mom cheated on him and divorced him. He literally goes to work, goes home, goes to work, goes home. He doesn't have friends. So Mm -hmm. I just don't want to devastate him. And I don't know why I'm so worried about that. Because you love him. You don't want to put a target on him. Right. You know, even though you need to, 
you need to tell your story because so many people need to hear it. You know, I mean, we've, we, we've known some, some teenage girls who really need that. They need the story. They need the support. And I don't think it's readily available. Really. People don't like talking about it because it's not pleasant. For me, I don't mind talking about it. And it's very therapeutic. Honestly, it helps me heal. Mm -hmm. It fills my cup. But I just really worry about because in your mind you think, oh, my gosh, it's going to become so big and all these people are going to buy it. And then they're going to know that's my dad. And I can't believe you did that to your child when she was, Mm. you know, zero to seven. You know, but he doesn't do that now. Have you ever thought about doing it as an alias? I have. I have changed the names in the book anyways. Yeah. Um, You know, my mom's still living, but she's a drug addict, lives down in Florida. I'm not too concerned about that it's not like she's gonna go buy it and yeah. Eat it. yeah if anything yeah. she would just try to come after me if she knew i had money so she could buy more drugs <laughs> and i hate to say that but it's the reality of things but the book will be done the book is done i just need to release it i just need to get over my insecurity and release it i would ask what's the hardest thing about writing a book but it sounds like releasing it's probably the hardest thing for that you. is <laughs> releasing it yes what about a piece of advice for like say somebody either wanted to write a book or is writing a book like in just starting do you have like one or two pieces of advice you might give them? sure i would say the biggest thing is it's the start that stops you okay get started and then keep your momentum going, which I should take my own advice on that, right? So I go through spurts. I keep the momentum going. Like I say, it's done. But also look heavily into before you ever start a book, are you going to go after being self-published or actually getting a publisher? Because there are two different roads and it takes a lot of money to get a book out there. To like self-publish it? Yeah. Now, did you, you had a publisher though. No. No, it's self-published. No. Well, Dan Clark told me he was going to help me publish my book. So, Dan Clark, if you're listening, hello. It's he's, been a while. Reach saying, out to what's me. What's up, Danny? Yeah. He's a listener, <laughs> so this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> help me out. <laughs> so, how how can people find the SHARE program or any kids in need? What resources do they have that they can go sure. to? So, we have a website, mm-hmm. sharethemovement.org, because we're all about sharing the movement to stop abuse. SHARE now stands for Sharing Hope for the Abused Through Resilience and Empowerment. So one of the things we do is we do a Youth Empowerment Day every year. Usually it's in May. Uh, Last year we had it at Wheeler Farm, and it's a place where it's judgment-free and there's no bullying or anything like that for kids to come and just feel a common bond with other kids who may be going through similar um, things at home. And that's something that should be taking place again this May. I haven't locked down the date yet, but uh, it's usually mid-May, end of May. So now, now, is it still way. a club that meets at Kearns High or the school? No. Know. Oh, okay. I didn't I know, know if it was still an active that would be club. Cool. That would be, re- no, it would be really cool if it was actually implemented in every high school and middle yeah, school. Yeah, because when I, we had it as a club, so I know Granger's not far. Yeah. Granger was the second school to take it on. And it was just somebody in our group told somebody at Granger what we were doing. And they said, I want to start this here. So I don't know if it continued to grow that way and continue to go through schools. But what happened was, is kids would come to me, like I say, and then administration even say, hey, let let me have you come talk to my classes. Or I went down to Moab and St. George and would speak specifically. I'd go into a school and the principal or administration would say, hey, we suspect this kid, this kid, and this kid are being abused, but they can't do anything 
until that child physically says this mm-hmm. is happening. Which so, is unlikely, right, mostly. Because they're yeah. scared. I mean, my right. stepdad told me all the time, you say anything, I'll kill you. So I kept my mouth shut for nine plus months. He was a military cop. So, you know, six foot two. He's got resources. He's Intimidating. Huge. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. he was abusive to my mom. So as a young girl, I believed him. So uh, what I'm getting at is I would go talk to schools and then they would have me in a separate room, like at lunchtime and say, hey, if you enjoyed Tiffany, come talk to her in this room. And they would have a social worker there as well. So I've definitely helped a lot of people come forward and be able to feel safe in saying something. And that's the number one thing is just saying something. And it is your responsibility if you see something. Mm -hmm. You know, too many people sweep abuse under the rug and they say, oh, that's not for me to worry about or, you know, their family can handle it or I don't want to break up a family or whatever the case may be. It doesn't make you any better than the abuser themselves. If you know about it and you say nothing. How do you keep your spirits up? I'm sure you get like down, right? Seeing all this. I mean, and then all the other things. I mean, just exhausted, right? Sure. It's mentally and emotionally (laughs) draining. Do you take a lot of personal days? (laughs) So I'm a cyclist. Okay. So I do century rides, 100 mile bike races. So my solace is I go climb Immigration Canyon on my bike or City Creek Canyon. That's my favorite canyon to climb is City Creek because no cars are allowed. Um, And I also listen to music. Music got me through a lot of times. Like I was into Nine Inch Nails and just, you know, Screamo and Corn and stuff when I was in my deep, dark places. Now I still love them too, but music is huge for me for therapy. I play the viola as well. Okay. And so sometimes I'll just pick up my viola and just start playing whatever comes to my mind and heart. How long have you been playing the viola? Since the second grade. Okay. I was in the Granite Youth Symphony. Went and played at the Utah Philharmonic when I was at the University of Utah. Oh, wow. And I still have it hanging up on the wall and play it when I want. Now, what's different, the viola to the violin? Because I took violin lessons. Oh, cool. Uh, but I want nothing to do with it. Now. Why not? <laughs> Too screechy? I, no. <laughs> no, I just, I never wanted it's to like do it in the first place. It's like a alto, <laughs> is right? it, Isn't it so, just like really one string or something? Is so it? there's the cello, which is the one you sit down. You sit down and yes. hold it and, and play it. And then the viola and then the violin. Okay. So it's kind of like, think of the deepness okay. of a cello. Okay. And the highness, the high pitch of a violin. Okay. The viola is kind of in between. So See, it plays the, more uh, of like a melody. This was all early teens, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. I don't know. Somewhere in that, those okay. age. But uh, now, okay, I'm just trying to kind of skim through everything here today with you, sure. Tiffany. But this podcast, uh-huh. I got to just poke at you a little bit because, you know, I'm a podcast nerd. Sure. And uh, you've done like four episodes, you said, right? Yes. And then you paused it, right? Yep. Podcasts are a lot of work. They are a lot of work, yes. Is that kind of why you stopped? No. So I started doing it and recording it at somebody else's studio. Okay. And they moved their studio up to Clinton. And I'm like, I'm not going to have all my people have to go all the way up there. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. So my house was built in 1920, and I turned the coal chute room into my podcast room. So I totally remodeled it, gutted it. It was so, I called it the creeper room before that. That is so cool. Did you keep the coal chute in there? It's still in like the wall. Yes. But it had, I was telling him there was a wall that was about this tall, as tall Mm -hmm. as your table. And on one side would be coal and the other side would be wood. 
And it just had a weird smell, a weird vibe. Something went down in that room. I do not know. Like, you don't want to know. No, like, no, serious. Like people would come to my house and it was at the, like you walk downstairs and it's the first room on the right. Yeah. And it, it's such a weird shaped door that I would just put a curtain over it. And we called it the creeper room because it was legit <laughs> creepy. But now you got it all set up. But You're now it's got such a good vibe. Yeah. So what? Uh, what's the name of your podcast? The Speak Loud Podcast. So wherever you're listening to this, you can go listen to some of your old episodes. Sure. They're still up on uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, I'm sure. We where... also have a landing page. Okay. So what, what... When I say we, it's me and the mouse in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so... <laughs> I, I do the same thing a lot. Yeah. You know? It's like Ben and me. Yeah. Speakloudpodcast.com. Very cool. Go check it out. What you do interviews or is it like just yourself solo show? What, uh, what all kind of show? interviews? So the first episode is me just telling my story and okay. how I learned how to speak loud up against abuse. And I tell people speak loud, even if your voice shakes, that's what made me come up with the title speak loud. Yeah. And I have interviewed people. What I do is when I interview, I don't focus on the abuse. I do interview survivors of abuse. But I don't want it to be this heavy, dark thing that people listen to. So we kind of skim over what kind of abuse they went through, but we focus specifically on using their past as a stepping stone. Okay. So I had a gal on that works for Elon Musk. She was my first guest. And just how successful she's became despite the abuse she went through. Um, I'm interviewing a gal this Saturday who went through a ton of abuse and she is very successful today. And so a lot of people just judge a book by its cover. I've had people tell me, I would have never guessed you went through that walk of life. And it's, it's not about focusing on that. Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't have guessed it. But well, thank you. I (laughs) I guess, I don't know. But uh, I mean, I work with a couple of women who have similar experiences and they're very young, but I never would have guessed it. Uh-huh. Because they had to grow up at 14, 15, you right. know, they, and so they took their experience and they decided, I want to do something else. Like, I want to use this as motivation to be Precisely. better. And it's, it's a really cool thing to see that in so many people. It's inspiring for sure. And it's kind of funny too, is it's called Speak Loud and mm-hmm. I'm all about anti-abuse, but I'm also thinking I'm going to start interviewing people that just want to speak loud up against certain topics that are happening in this world. So LGBTQ matters. A lot of people that I know specifically that are in the LGBTQ communities suffered abuse and maybe that's part of them oh, yeah. not wanting to be in a traditional, we'll say, relationship. And so I want to focus on maybe having them come on and talking about speak loud. What are you all about? You know, what are some things that are going on in this world that you want to speak loud about? So I'm kind of toying with the idea of not just focusing on the abuse side of things, but having it as a platform for people to speak loud and speak up. That's the cool thing about podcasting. You can kind of just let it take its own little yeah. form and mm-hmm. see which direction it goes. I mean, I am Salt Lake has gone so many different directions through the years that it's been a lot of fun doing it because it kind of keeps it uh, fresh for me at least. Sure. So Salt Lake city, we have a few Salt Lake city questions that okay, we ask everybody that it. comes through here. Tiffany, we all have family and friends that visit us. I'm sure you have in your lifetime, at least once or twice, someone comes, sure. I want to come and visit you in Utah or Salt Lake city. What's the tour like, uh, you know, you have to spend the day showing them around. Is there an area of town, a building, a hike, mountains? Where do you take them? Well, first, I've got to take them to get a, a ducky at El Chihuahua. Okay. Okay. You guys ever been to El Chihuahua? I ha- it's, been, it's been a minute Those since I've been there. Those duckies will knock you on your ass, but uh, <laughs> loosen them up a bit. 
take him to some good Mexican food. And then I love to just take him through a tour of downtown. Okay. So I show him Gravity Hill. And, you know, I think that's so cool for people to see. Take him up by the Capitol. Um, also, sometimes take him out on the west side of Utah Lake. So, you know, how you can just kind of take that road all the way through. I think it's Redwood. Take him on the lookout point out by Capitol. So more downtown stuff. Okay. Um very cool. But definitely El Chihuahua. And now what about uh, other favorite local eating spots? You mentioned El Chihuahua. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure you got one or two other favorites. So my local watering hole is Campfire Lounge. That's a good place. I go there all the time because it's walking distance to my house. So I don't have to drink and drive. Just got to make sure I cross 7th East and not get hit. But it's uh, <laughs> a good goal. Yeah, it's a, it's I made a, it another yes. night. Another I night. love that little place. You know, it's just a small little bar. It's great. Um, great drinks, great prices. I've actually also gone to the Riverbank, which is across from the Harmons and Brickyard. Okay, I don't know. Same never, owners. Okay, okay. They turned the Chase Bank into a bar. Okay. And they have bar trivia and stuff. It's so fun. Very cool. So um, probably those two places. And then also I love sushi. So Takashi downtown okay. is probably my fa- favorite. You two are going to be best friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should get sushi. Yeah, sushi <laughs> is love. awesome. Oh, it's so good. Do you go yeah. to Takashi? You know, I I think I've gone there once. I um. Well, you work downtown. Why aren't you going there? I work downtown. There? Well, I, I work right above Ido. Oh, okay. So when I want sushi, I just walk downstairs yeah, and go to yeah. Ido because I'm lazy. So I need to branch out. Lazy. Takashi has... Now, don't quote me on this because maybe it's changed, but the last I heard is they have the highest selection of sake in the state of Utah. <gasps> like more sake Had to I choose known from than that, anywhere else. Yeah. That I just there changed like... my whole work day. <laughs> Three weeks ago. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many great sushi places that, you know, I really need to branch out and try them. I really want to try Simply Sushi. I haven't been there. It's probably not even that great, but I just... Is I that the one by it. the liquor store? Yes, the one by the liquor store. Oh, corner. yes, yes. Off every of 4 time. South? Yeah. 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 Every okay. time I drive past it, I'm like, why have I not eaten there yet? I have to yeah. eat there. We used to live like right around the corner yeah, from there, too. I could have walked nice. there. Yeah. didn't. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> what would you change okay. about Salt Lake City if you could change something, Tiffany? Let's say you became the mayor and you're like, I have the power to change something. So this is going to be a little selfish. I would change two things. Can okay. I change two? You could change three things. Okay. I'm feeling So the first one is more cyclist friendly. Okay. However, I will say, so I'm a cyclist who's not an asshole and I don't run stop signs and I don't act like I own the road, but yeah. there are those cyclists out there. Yeah. So they've given the rest of us a bad name. So there's, we are becoming more cy- cycling friendly, but there are some spots. So I've been hit twice. Oh, wow. Uh, once a hit and run just off of 45th South and Highland. And I've heard of other friends of mine who've been like big diesel truck, looks you in the eye, runs you off the road, totally knows what he's doing. So there have been, I don't know if you know, the CEO of the Children's Miracle Network just got hit a couple months ago and killed Hmm. on his bike up in Bountiful. I didn't catch that one. So there's a lot of cyclist deaths that happen here in the valley. And so I just wish that Salt Lake was more aware, maybe not necessarily more aware, but there's not a stringent penalty if you do something to a cyclist, like if you run them off the road or... Wait, it's not against a lot of hit and run a cyclist? It's not to the point where I think it scares people. I don't know specifically what happens, what? but yeah. But I mean, they're they're probably hard to track down. Yeah, unless you're wearing think. like a GoPro on your... 
helmet like how are you gonna so for an example all i know is it was a chevy astro van that hit me and they just took off they just took off were you hit hurt pretty bad no okay just a contusion on my leg and some bruised ribs and some wow Uh, have i ever shared this story i think i've shared this on the podcast when i hit the homeless guy on a bicycle down by, by down by Pioneer. <laughs> no, that one's so you're one of those. Is it I'm Pioneer Park? Was, <laughs> yeah, Pioneer Park. I was Park. like 16 or 17. Oh, dang. I was actually still living in Provo down there with my mom. And uh, I, all of a sudden, I'm driving, about ready to hop on I-15, and I smack this bicycle. I'm like, where did that come from? Anyway, to make a long story short, the guy didn't speak English, and I don't speak Spanish. Oh, and yeah. so eventually, I'm, I'm like kind of freaking out. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I need this. I'm going to go to jail. You know, I'm 16 yeah, or whatever. I didn't know. Yeah. Anyway, to make a long story short, I guess it was a scam they were doing. They were jumping out in front of cars, getting hit. And, uh, you know, obviously I don't remember everything because that was quite a few years ago. But yeah, he wanted 50 bucks. I remember the guy that I hit wanted 50, $50. Like that was all he was able to tell me. And I'm like, I don't (laughs) know if I, the thing is, is if I would have had it, I probably would have given it to him. Oh, Just because yeah. I was so scared. It reminds me of Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Right? I just don't. Could you, I couldn't do that. I couldn't jump in front of cars, man. I, that but, does uh, not seem like it's worth fifty bucks. Oh man, I am so. Me. I am so glad we brought you on the podcast, Tiffany. Thank I you. am so glad that we brought you through here. Uh, and well, I got to share... tell you my second thing, though. Oh. Oh yeah! Don't oh, yeah! We yeah, got I got to tell you my okay. second. Yeah, thing. okay. You sorry. said I got three. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I got <laughs> oh, sidetracked there about yeah, my. No. <laughs> I got excited sharing my story. Now, no, no. I just got to say one. More no, no, no. This yeah, is yeah, my yeah. time to share it. Yeah, is I want Salt Lake City to be more aware of abuse. We are the number one state in the United States for sexual abuse statis- mm. statistics. Mm. How could we become more aware? What 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 could we do? See something, say something. As I mentioned earlier, there's so many people that know about abuse that's taking place in other people's homes Mm. and they don't say something. Are there signs like as kind of fellow adults that we can look for or what would you say if like if we run across someone and we're like, they might not be in a great situation. What's the best thing for us to do? So go to uh, sharethemovement.org and there are pages of what to recognize in people. But one of the biggest things, obviously, is you're going to look for signs of abuse, bruising, kids that are withdrawn. And that could just be their personality. Maybe they're autistic, but maybe do a little bit of digging. Also for me is the way I went to school. I wouldn't go to school with washed hair. I'd always wear the same clothes. And that could be some people think, oh, they just don't have money. It wasn't that. It was that my, that was one of the torturous things my mother would do to me. And kids would say, one with a tiff, you'll jump off a cliff. Like I would get bullied because of it, because my mom was like, I want you to smell bad and I want you to be ugly and I want you to be picked on. You know, that's the way it came across to me anyways. So I would say just if you suspect then at least just anonymously report it and let it be investigated by the authorities mm-hmm. and at least know you did something by reporting it. And maybe there's nothing there, but a lot of people get stuck in those situations. A lot of people don't even realize they're in those situations when they're happening. I'm yep. sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially with emotional and mental yeah. abuse. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cause gaslighting is very yes. real. Yes. And you usually feel like you're crazy when you're the one being abused. Yep. So that's exactly. that's very tough. Yep. Well, thanks for being there for everybody. Yeah. Thanks for like <laughs> creating share and just being of awesome. Course. 
before before we wrap this up today, Tiffany, is there anything you wanted to share? I, I tried to open it up, you know, just to make sure if there was like anything you're like, oh, I wanted to talk about this cool CD I was making or I don't know. I'm just being silly there, but, um, you know, or, or anything you want to mention, talk about shout outs, whatever, or maybe not. Just when my book finally comes out, everybody buy 10 copies. Okay. Now, well, so <laughs> give them out for Christmas what's, presents. Yes. What's your, how can people get a hold of you or stay in touch with you or follow you on social media? Let's, let's go down all that list. So if they go to levelupwealthacademy.com, okay. they can send me a message from there. Also, they can just email me at levelupwealthacademy at gmail.com or they can send me an email through sharethemovement.org. Now, because I am focusing on Airbnb, my Insta handle is at Lady Airbnb. And you can also find me just Miss Tiffany Barnes, M-I-S-S, Tiffany Barnes. I am single, ready to mingle. That's why it's Miss Accepting Applications. <laughs> hey, do you hear that? You hear that, fellas? <laughs> um, they can find me through Facebook on Miss Tiffany Barnes. Very cool. Very cool. And I'll put right all those on. links at IamSaltLake.com as well with this episode. So if you're driving or doing something that you can't uh, write those down or, or look her up. And uh, I'm going to let Chrissy, she asks a final question on here. Again, Ooh, thank you so okay. much, Tiffany. I'll <laughs> have to, you. I always tell people, you know, let's catch up down the road, bring you back through and, and, yeah, and find out what you're going. up to. But for take, sure. take it away, Chrissy. All right. So before we let you go, okay. could you leave our listeners with a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by? So I already gave my motto away. It's the start that stops you. So, and that's still good. It's a, it's a big one because Mm -hmm. it applies to anything in life, whether it's getting into real estate, starting a podcast, getting into maybe the dating scene, whatever the case may be. It's always that first step into the unknown that freaks people out. But if you just take one step and you realize that you're not going to eat out of garbage cans, you're not going to become homeless, you're not going to die, and then you take the next step, next thing you know, you've gained such a momentum to whatever that goal is or your purpose, and you reach your destination. All right. Many thanks again to Tiffany Barnes for joining us on this episode. What a fun conversation. So many tips and advice in there that I'm going to be implementing into uh, my life. Hey, all of the links that we mentioned in this conversation, they can all be found with the episode show notes right on our website, which can be found at IamSaltLake.com slash 427. And that uh, that's for episode 427. Head on over to the website. All the previous episodes are right there at IamSaltLake.com as well. So go ahead and check out some of those back episodes. Hey, it is the first episode of the month. That means we... Uh, Give a little shout out to our Patreon supporters because, hey, we love our Patreon supporters. Between our awesome sponsors and our Patreon supporters, they help us keep this podcast afloat. They help us, uh, you know, pay the bills, pay the light bills, pay the microphone bills. So many thanks to uh, our Patreon supporters. I'm just going to run down the list really quickly here. We have Three Irons SLC, Alex Santi, Alan Martindale, Brandon Hill, Brett A. Schmidt, Brittany Hemingway, Christopher A. Heiser, Dirt in Your Skirt, Eric Tomorrow, you know him from over at Mediocre Show, one of the best podcasts out there. Hey, and then we have Jay Chambers, Jeff Hadfield, John Miller, Mark Copeland, Michelle Stevens-Williams, Nick Naylor, Nicole Davison, Nikki Lime, way from over in New Zealand, Sana Tim Haran and Todd Bjorkland. 
Hey, many thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. We got a great group there, uh, especially right now. I know times are tough. I know a lot of people are out of work uh, with everything going on. So hopefully you guys are able to stay safe. You're able to stay calm and you are able to uh, just take care of what you need to take care of in your everyday life. And on that note, I think I'm going to uh, end this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. Uh, thank you everybody for uh, sharing these episodes. Uh, I see it on Instagram. You're tagging them. I'm seeing it on Facebook. I'm seeing it on Twitter. Much appreciated. That's how this podcast grows. So thank you to everybody that uh, shares it. If you haven't subscribed, of course, subscribe. That way, every episode comes right to your uh, podcast app in your phone. And on that note, you have a great week. Uh, Support local this week if you can. Stay indoors, though, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. 